when you've taken crosses from Breck Shea, but you're still worried about what's in the COVID-19 vaccine. Oh, wow. It's that so MLS. Oh. A North American <laughs> soccer podcast for myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. That was a good one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Like you, I've been, I've just been floored by the sudden uh, news of, of CF Montreal um, trading away Eric Hurtado for $200 in general allocation money because he doesn't want to take the COVID-19 vaccine. He doesn't feel... $200,000, not $200. That's a good point. Um, this was very disappointing to me because you and I both have 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 extolled the virtues of Hurtado Island. And which... we've had to dig deep on being Eric Hurtado supporters. It's just one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, kind of wish I knew less about this person now. <laughs> um, Hurtado Island, a location now under travel advisory from Canada, from public health, I can only assume. Well, after... and I guess it kind of worked out for him because now he plays for Columbus Crew. So, like, I don't... <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: is is that it seems I think it's great on Montreal, you know, in this situation that they that they got rid of them because the the I guess, but but they kind of frame it a little bit more not that they were like actively trying to you know cut him after that happened, but they said we had offers come in from him. We asked him, we 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 talked to him about it. He said he didn't want to take the vaccine, as many people have pointed out that. Uh, that Canada's loosening of restrictions is not uh, applying in in many ways to unvaccinated mm-hmm. people when it comes to travel. Yeah. Um, and people have noted that there are a number of players that that after Can- Canadian teams have had this 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 challenge. So so they asked him and and he indicated he wasn't going to take the vaccine and they said, "Great, you've made our decision for us." Bye. Is what they suggested in the in the release. Maybe I'm maybe I'm sort of being too venomous in that reading, but um, hmm. but there's there are some people who have suggested on Twitter that um, you know, and in Glass said he said this that uh, um, that after having such a, a competitive disadvantage by not being able to play at home. Um, you're now going to see like who from each team is anti-vax because they can't make it to Canada. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me. It's, it's such a weird time. The next question is the next question is Nick DeLeon, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, he's been pretty adamantly anti-vax, so. Oh, what a time to be alive. What a time to be playing soccer. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I think. And 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 I know that with you and I there's not much there's not much, you know, to be debated about this. It's a, it's a it's a it's a frustrating thing in 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 the Oh, I noticed. Oh, Montreal has already taken it down. <laughs> they took their, they took their article down. Wow, or at least a, you can't reach it. I don't know. Maybe if, a little bit too honest of a press release there. Yeah, maybe, or or maybe just the the site is down. But they were saying that he was uncomfortable with taking it, and 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 so often people will phrase this as a is a matter of like you know personal choice or whatever else, and the, and the club seems to think that this was a, an amicable thing for them because they're happy with the deal. They said they're happy with the money that they got in return. Um. 
But I don't think I I I think that no matter what your like comfort level is with it, if you are if this is to the level of, of personal responsibility for you, um yeah. then a life of then a life of travel is not for you. And a footballer's life is a life of travel because you have to play other people to play soccer. You have to you have to play you have to have teammates, you have to have opponents. There have to be people that clean your boots and clean your kits and coach you that you have to be around and you have to represent your city. You've got to, if you, all the things that people have criticized players for being unprofessional for is just keep everybody safe. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like the, the kit crew and you know, the whole technical team that you have to be around fans and other stadiums. Like I feel like, Anyway, let's not go down the rabbit hole of trying to understand that business. Um, I think it's it's good business for Montreal to just offload the player and and just not have to deal with that that issue. You know, Eric Hurtado can be definitely a really um, a great attacking piece for you, especially as a substitute. And like two hundred thousand in gam is totally acceptable as well you know i feel like you can you can stretch that money you can make that money work for you to to replace eric hurtado pretty okay and you know for columbus they get another attacking piece where they they've sort of struggled so reasons aside it's a strange reason for doing the business but i feel like eric hurtado is probably just fine and um you know, Columbus has an, a now uh, another attacking piece to add to their arsenal. So. They do feel like they have a lot. Like they, they almost do. They need another utility forward. I, I don't I know that for some, sure. I think, funnily enough, what they're looking for is like a a guy who can come off the bench and is a little bit more clinical. Now, I, once we get to Columbus, I know people will be screaming at like, "How can you be more clinical than Zardes?" But all the Columbus attacking pieces haven't all been firing on all cylinders at all times this season. So I think, you know, for, for Columbus, it's chump change. And now they've got a player they know can come on. Um, obviously gives them depth when they get down the line and injuries start to pile up and things of that nature. So I think it's very strange, but like good bit of business for Columbus and Montreal. Columbus uh, had the 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 opening of their new Lower dot com stadium. <laughs> Am I the only person that seriously thought that title was just a joke for the longest time, like just a placeholder joke? That's just all. That's just any like American business. <laughs> like I don't know what this is supposed to be. Um, it looks fine. I didn't really get to see any of the 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 big you know sort of stadium cam views but uh but it looks like a pretty nice place looks fantastic yeah especially the the outside and kind of leading up to it looks great i like the the atmosphere i mean in so far as i could tell through <laughs> a computer screen um however i don't think they necessarily had it in the script that tejon began would be scoring because <laughs> 13 minutes into the opening of the stadium game uh, New England actually comes off the mark and then is followed up by an assist from Buchanan to Bo. And uh, all seems not super well before uh, the first half, but they are able to pull one back from this incredible move from Zardes, who just receives the ball and like does a full like 180 turn. <laughs> 
Oh uh, my to, god! To just slot it into the into the far corner and beats everyone doing looks so good, and obviously that got them going. And then he's got he's was, got he's got he's got three defenders and an attacker between him and the goal as he does this. He had one or two things to do, and he did them all brilliantly. <laughs> um, I don't think it was in the script uh, for New England to give up an own goal. A really, really just uh, when two wrongs don't make a right kind of series of mistakes for New England that gives a point to Columbus in their home stadium. But, so it's a ball that's coming back, and for whatever reason, Andrew Farrell tries to nod it on towards the keeper with a with a. With the header, I guess maybe he doesn't get the contact that he wants. Yeah, and it it the it bounces past the keeper. Farrell runs after it at full stretch, and then for some reason, Gussie Zardes is in behind them to to not have any uh, to not have any mistakes. You know, as he tries to as he tries to barrel in, and all three of them just sort of hit the turf together yeah. in the goal. Andrew Farrell looks at the refs. There certainly was no Zardes contact with the ball, but could you maybe have argued that it would be easier? Um, it would do, it would have been potentially possible to clear that ball off the line if you didn't have, you know, a forward in your ribcage? <laughs> potentially, but Zardes has every right to go for that ball. That's true. You know, like it's it's a fifty fifty situation. I mean, Farrell's the one that's put himself in the situation where he's backpedaling. That's not Zardes's fault. Like he clatters into him, but Farrell's not doing anything <laughs> except backtracking. I don't know. It's not. I mean, the the atmosphere at Lower Dot Com Field seemed to be very jubilant. To, you know, obviously it's not a win, but it's it's a point. Um, Columbus does slide down to ninth, and again, it's just the the goal scoring issues. Um, they've been defensively still one of the most solid in the league, the most solid in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but with only eleven goals, um, they, that's what they've really been struggling with. Despite again the attacking prowess. So, in terms of the in terms of the scripting of you, uh, as you mentioned, the fact that Andrew Farrell cleared a, a shot off the line in stoppage time that would have been. A little bit more with the script, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I love think... a good defender redemption moment. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue. You can't argue. You know, somebody uh, saves a goal, scores an own goal. I guess they broke That's... even. Yeah, exactly. But I think that there will be a feeling, and you mentioned that the atmosphere was jubilant. I think there will be a feeling that, and I think this is probably true of all stadium openings. If you score a one of those goals, was nice. You know, yeah. if you were in attendance, you prop, you may remember the draw, you may remember the own goal, but all of that is going to fall, I think, to the wayside, uh, to your memory of the Zardes goal. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Probably an entire stadium's worth of beer raining down on your head has <laughs> happened. But no, it, it, it looks like a fantastic stadium and it was a great atmosphere there. Um Again, for Columbus, they're they're still st- struggling, but you don't really get much of a sense of panic with Columbus, right? Like I, they've had no. some not great results, but like New England has been especially solid. They're now top of the East, so like that's a fine result at home in your new stadium. That's I think Columbus is beginning to to solve some of their problems. Um, it's just unfortunate about giving up the early goals. I think so. I think that they're a team. Um... 
I honestly think that, you know, being the defending champions will will mellow you out a little bit. Not not necessarily meaning that, that you're not going to have that competitive thing, but it's it's hard to think, you know, um, it's hard to think, oh man, we're, we're in such a tough, we're in such a tough position when you, when you have those memories so fresh of, uh, of getting that win. Now, so it would be what we're, we're winless in three yeah. for Columbus. They won, they won three in a row and then they lost to Philadelphia and hit two draws. Mm-hmm. They had one one of those draws in uh, in June was to Austin, um, and I almost think now that if you uh, you can count yourself lucky if you went to Austin and just got the draw after Portland had quite the experience there. Yeah, it's so unfortunate too because like I you know we finally saw Portland get a result in the previous week and we're like oh, okay cool like they're back they're gonna. <laughs> um, you know, they held their own against Houston. They did okay. Um, but just the de- the defensive problems. I mean, full credit to Austin. They had an amazing game and, and just the, the atmosphere was rocking. The fans were behind the team. It was always seemed to be Austin's day. But just Portland has become so porous at the back. And, you know, I know that they have struggled with injuries, but it just seems like there's not a lot of bite in those defenders. Like they just seem to be a step behind and and not willing to put pressure on the ball. And Houston runs away with it and ends up hitting them for four. I mean, aside from a a great goal from Jeremy Obobese to kind of caught them on the counter, but it's, it it does feel like a lot of the same problems that Portland has been having all seasons are, are popping up again, seem to disappear for a week and they're back. Yeah, there was a lot. There was they were able to be caught on the break. Um, the this there's almost another one is like I I caught this like chaotic scenes of of Steve Clark parrying into a crowd and then the resulting shot hits the crossbar. It's like like it doesn't really seem to be dialed in back there at all. Uh, which is not only to say that it's all down to Portland being disorganized because I think that the one, two on the Gallagher goal, the opening goal on the the 20th minute was also quite slick. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's where I say like, this is also, I'm not sure it would have really mattered who the team was. I think Austin would have won this game the way they were playing. Um, And, and certainly in that phase of a game in that first 30 minutes, everyone's sort of, feeling each other out and trying to establish the atmosphere of it and Austin as you say just has this slick passing sequence and hits them but Jimenez uh. had so much space to score that fourth goal that's another aspect of the 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 defensive uh side of it I was also yeah. going to say that the 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 floating free kick that's headed in by Alex Ring was tremendous and a really pretty looking goal yeah, yeah, and I I think Austin people have probably already mentioned this, but you know they've obviously worked on their set plays and and seem to be very productive in that department, and also having success with like kind of building an attacking strategy around that somewhat. I mean they can play, they can score from open play, but they're for me one of the few MLS sides that when they take a free kick or you know they line up a corner, they seem to actually have a really good plan of what it is they're trying to execute and you know, at least get a shot on frame. Um, we were referring to sort of the ability of, of 
uh, New England to battle back. They were uh, one of the players in, I think, one of the, the strangest storylines of the week to me, which was Toronto absolutely having the wheels fall off them. Yeah. Um, they went to D.C., a team. Well, did they, though? <laughs> I mean, yes. Physically, they did. Well, I, don't I mean, know they were in D.C. D- I don't know if they played they in D.C. In, they were in D.C., but I don't know if they were present. Uh, well, uh, that is true. And, and they just got lit up 7-1. I had this game on live uh, with the sound off in the background. And I was just like, oh, that's an early goal. Oh, that's an early goal. And then I saw its own goal. That was the third one where uh, it just hits a defender and just trickles over the line. It's like, things are bad here. It ended up 7-1 and Eric Zavallada got sent off. And that was, that was it for Armas. He was, uh, he was relieved a third of the, the season in. I think that some people. I thought, yeah. What can you say? You know, they were they were um, they were second overall, and this year they're at the bottom. And I think that that with a new coach, new coaches sometimes do need to be given time. And you can't, you can, you can sometimes when a coach gets uh, sacked, have like you know, oh, modern football, it's all about the results or whatever. But. Mm-hmm. Um, some but, results matter more than others, and when you've already lost, was it five in a row or four in a row? A bunch. Um, Armis's job wasn't to reestablish the culture either. Right, yeah, and and that's the thing is I think that's where much of the frustration with Toronto's fans lie. I mean, I'm maybe projecting here. I would assume is because Armis had a winning strategy. He had a winning team. Like, you needed to tinker with it a little bit, but really this game was the perfect example of players not believing in the system they're playing and, and just watching them kind of crumple before your eyes that nobody really seemed to know where they needed to be or what they should be doing. And it's sort of baffling to think of that. I mean, you think like surely Bradley can organize the team, but I think it's when you have that much disjuncture, it's clear that the players have lost faith in the coach you know, and or themselves, but there's a failure to to communicate the plan effectively, or the players just don't believe in the plan. Well, here's the thing: when you mentioned that badly thing, I remember there was a moment um, on the TFC goal in the seven one where it was like um, the all of a sudden you're looking at the you're looking at the lines the way that they're sort of bolted in, and then. Out of nowhere, Michael Bradley just bolts up into like an attacking midfield position, and I'm like, "What is he doing?" And he plays in, uh, he plays in Ekinol for the goal. And I'm like, "Okay, all right, you've got your, you've you understand what you're doing." What am I saying? But it, but I mean, like that's still in that atmosphere is an individual choice. You know what I mean? Like a like a like a like a yeah, person and credit to him for doing them. that. But that, to me, is almost more alarming that if a player can just make a random run and be picked out with a pass, and that's the thing that actually gets you in the game, then throw out the rest of the strategy. <laughs> like, let the, <laughs> Just let the players play. It, and, you know, to follow the storyline through, the really interesting thing is then they face New England, and 
New England fought like hell. I certainly don't think they played their best soccer. But watching the uh, the teams talk at the beginning of the the game, Michael Bradley's saying like, "Just go out and have fun," and I'm like. Now that that's the leadership and the message that needs to be said after you've been beaten seven one and you're about to play the conference leaders like a true top and bottom game, and then they walk away with three points. <laughs> so... Yeah, they have they got three goals before the twenty the the twenty fourth minute, and it's just like the do you, I almost saw some people saying online you know this looks bad. <laughs> Toronto's players that they couldn't make anything happen. Does it? Is it? Do you think it's just down to like just some some seriously bad coaching? Do you think the players needed to apply themselves more before, and it kind of like uh, it reflects as much on them? How do you how do you sort of like assess? Given these two games, how do you assess the? Uh, um, I guess the the apportionment of blame. I mean, like, given the larger context of what's going on, and and just the fact that we are talking about people, like, I don't want, I don't take any joy at a trashing Chris Armas. Like, he's mm. a professional coach. He knows stuff about soccer. I'm sure he knows what he's doing, and he has a plan. But it it always seemed to be a, a disastrous signing. And I'll say this: I don't think Toronto threw that game in DC. But it was very clear very early on that most of the players didn't give a shit if they won or lost. And that, to me, is not... Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to their professionalism. I just think that's how far down their their lack of belief in their coach and in their ability to produce a product on field was. But it, And it certainly seems pretty bad that if a better plan is just to go out and have fun and do whatever and you score three goals in the first 30 just have minutes, fun if, just have fun if that plan is better than months and months and months of a coach trying to instill a certain system that that doesn't look good you know i uh, i do think there was a lack of belief from the players on the coach and i i, I imagine the benching of josie altidore had a big portion to do with it that to, to bench a star player in such a key attacking piece um, and obviously a well-liked character in the locker room. I, I think that's part of when Armis really started to lose the team. That makes sense. Um, I And I think that the thing to note, you know, as, as, as surprising as it was, and in, in maybe I think a, a, a good way to evaluate all this thing, all this, this sudden improvement is that they still conceded two goals and almost did not walk away with those three points. They're still yeah, making their yeah. way back. Yeah, oh, yeah. It feels like this one was like 90% adrenaline and 5% luck and 5% like Toronto <laughs> talked about a rough plan before the game and it was go have fun. And again, yeah, take nothing away from Toronto, but New England didn't play their best soccer and neither did Toronto because, as you said, they still conceded two goals as they've done just about every game they've played at least. So... At least, they weren't at, at least they weren't in stoppage time this time. Yeah. Some of the things that you've... In, in, and I'm getting um, uh, premonitions to another Canadian club we'll talk about. But oh, before we talk about such grave matters, um, 
Why don't we talk about a team that really excited you this week? Yeah. So, I, I mean, we've. I'm sure folks have noticed by now that, like, as we do the show, sometimes there's just teams that we don't talk about as much, and sometimes it's just because their games or results are not all that interesting, and there's just not much to talk about. But boy, oh boy, do we have things to say about Chicago Fire? At least I do. <laughs> Nine goals out of their last three games, three yeah. goals apiece in every single game. Now, the first one, I believe, was a 3-3 draw, um, which is maybe not the best result in the world, but certainly good to get the engines fired up. And then they have this 3 nothing defeat, um, or 3 three nothing win over Atlanta, um, and... Which is Atlanta. not an easy team, generally. You'd, you'd think it's maybe hasn't gone about well this year, but that's still not an easy team to get points off of. No, and certainly Atlanta made their mistakes and defensively have not been solid this year. But when was the last time you saw Chicago Fire also pounce on a team that's making mistakes and be clinical? Uh, and, and that's the thing that excites me about Chicago. Outside of just you know, the seven points in their last three games and beating some really good opponents is the clinical attacking. Like, finally, I'm so happy for Fire fans because it's just been, like, plaguing them over and over and over again of of just, you know, crossbars and (laughs) posts and shooting it wide and it just not falling. And it's like all the pieces are finally starting to click in and, and Chicago... You know, they still have a ways to go. They're still 11th in the table. Um, But as the goals are starting to pile up, they're looking like a pretty respectable team. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that sort of clinical... uh, The the clinical nature of their attack over those two games um, has to really uh, rely on one guy, and that's Aliceta. Oh, yeah. And, yeah and, And there's so much... There's so much that with him um, that this first one, like in the in the three nothing game against Atlanta, um, there is both he is the focal point on the first two goals because you have Madron uh, running through having a great run through what I thought was a um, and then this yeah. run for Navarro who or who is able to basically keep going full speed as as Atlanta is trying to turn up field, uh, dispossesses the team, um, finds Alceda who is able to in and this is this is such a thing this is such a, a, a canny read of a struggling MLS defense is that he just holds up because he thinks I'm not gonna get pressed. Yeah. This team is this team is stressed. They're, they only do this when they're very stressed. They, <laughs> this is a stress <laughs> response. <laughs> um, and then it's he, then he sets up Frankowski for the um, uh, for the third goal. So he was just so, especially in that game, he was so involved in everything, both being like you said, very very clinical in the way in, in the finishing, and then also being able to set up goals. Yeah, yeah, and and the the team play that's happening to get them these goals is is just again it's something that we haven't seen Chicago for some time and then their 3-1 win over Orlando um they go down fairly early uh, with a great goal from Perea but then Sukulic gets one Barich gets one and then Ofor who I had not previously known much about comes on and just 
dances through Orlando to hit them for th- uh, th- a third goal again. And I'm like, just sitting watching these games going, <laughs> which team is this? Like, this is, this is new. The, the fluidity, the, the slick uh, attacking play from them. Um, I'm getting excited about Chicago Fire. <laughs> and that's a sentence I haven't said in a while. Now, the main, here's the, I, I agree with you. And I think that, the, that these are all great things. And, and Atlanta is right next to Chicago at the table now because um, while Chicago has seven, uh, seven losses, Atlanta has seven draws. Yeah, I think, um, and and two more points. The Orlando is right up there at the top of the conference as well. So they've they've really been able to do this um, against against top opposition. However, mm-hmm. um, the one common uh, one commonality, uh, another commonality about those two games, despite the fact they were both wins and both had three goals in them, is that they were also in in as was the Philadelphia draw all at home. And uh, yeah. and they are three three two at home, and they are uh, four games, four losses away from home. Yeah, that's so. Fair. As 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 exciting as this, you're right that it's exciting. Chicago fans have reason to be excited, and when they when the, you know they're in the count, they they've moved to Soldier Field, and 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 I know that can always be different from the for the atmosphere of it, but when when Chicago is rocking, they can really get behind their team. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a factor for sure. I mean, I'm not saying that Chicago has solved all the problems, but I do mm-hmm. think the pieces are starting to fall into place. And for me, the exciting part, too, is not just the results. It's who the results were against. Um, that's true. Well, I, I, I mean to say that in terms of that's the test now. Is yeah, you've like got these you, great results. Can, <laughs> yeah, if you can beat... Uh, Orlando in your house, can you beat Miami in theirs? Their next two road games um, are July 17th in Nashville and August 1st in Philadelphia. So those are pretty, those are, um, those are pretty challenging environments to go into and it'll be a test of that, but they'll also have um, quite a few home games in, they've got, uh, it looks like, Five of the next seven are at home, so they'll have some time if to really build uh, some momentum. If if this is a big part of the push for them to build some momentum and uh, maybe push themselves into a playoff spot before entering more challenging parts of the table. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I in terms of other uh, results that I was interested in, um, this Orlando New York game. Mm-hmm. Which again, I don't think that you know, despite the fact that that um, they didn't have the most going on in this, um, they have they continue to look great, and I thought that they looked, uh, I thought that they looked great against uh, New York Red Bulls. Um, New York gets the first goal in it. Caceres, I just saw even on the replay, it doesn't look like the most like spectacular goal of all time, but it just seemed like he had so much space in the pocket and chipped it in. With so much style, yeah, that I was just like, "Oh, yeah, that's a good one." The, yeah, the penalty makes no sense to me. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I feel like Orlando will feel hard done by here. It was good, good three points for New York. 
But it, it it's interesting, right? Because it's not always about momentum that can help you. But you know, Orlando's lost two in a row, and they're still sitting second in the table, not super comfortably. But I I still feel like, you know, the loss against New York was not great. Um, and then Chicago just, I think surprised them. <laughs> I don't think they even played all that terribly. It was just it was just all Chicago in that game. So. In, it's interesting, right? Because you, I still feel like Orlando is taking people by surprise, and part of that is that similar, I guess, to Chicago, they haven't actually worked out all the kinks just yet. Um, although they're obviously they've worked out a ton of stuff and are doing great. A team uh, that had a great week in their two results is Montreal, who on July third. Took on Miami. It uh, a, another version, very uh, another version of the of the renter landlord conflict. An undisclosed hangar bay. It looked like. <laughs> um, and this uh, this there wasn't a lot in this one, but it felt like this this for Montreal's um, perspective was almost just one where they kept trying to find a goal, and they kept having in in, in the first half, and they kept having all these strange uh strange things you know the keeper saves and it dribbles out on the rebound but the striker can't bury it uh toys found in the middle but he's off balance yeah yeah can't get one, it, in. it felt like it just very chaotic and like it could have been six nil um but one nil is kind of like what you get for not playing your best soccer um and miami just looking so lost and aimless like talking about teams that don't seem to don't they don't look like they have a plan on the pitch it's just like pure reaction in the moment um so i i'm i'm wondering how much longer uh our old pal gary neville's gonna last there uh matthew showinier is the one who gets the goal there um and then they go to new york city uh they played no they host new york city i think again they're in uh yeah in the same venue um that was a that was an intriguing clash, um, and I did feel that, that they got the best uh, they got the best of it. Um, well, obviously they won, but you had you had this this amazing ball forward to Kyoto, who's ahead of the line and scores very early on in the first minute. It's offside, but in terms of that, like the feel to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, the the. the in terms of like what is what's right and what's wrong is is that I think that if you if you pass the ball in your own half how can it be offside yeah i mean it's to prevent extreme poaching but i mean i i think it was certainly a, a signal of intent and kyoto had a few misses in this game it is uh new york city who gets off the mark first and gets a great goal through um is it keenan parks keaton keaton parks thank you um, fantastic goal from him, just pouncing on a loose ball, which, I mean, two great results back-to-back for Montreal, but they they have to clean this up. I just don't get great. the bodies going to the ground in the box. Great setup for, for Ishmael Tajiri Shadi, who runs it to the line and, and, and not only is able to, uh, and he's able to pick him out with this, with this ball that goes across the ground fast, like, you know, the entire... The entire combined both teams to uh, to pick out 
parks in that uh, area of space at the top of the box. Yeah, yeah, and and great for him to to see that and and to run into that space as well. And he <laughs> makes no mistake in burying it. Um, and then it's a penalty that's awarded to Montreal that Mason Toy is able to score, I believe, off the rebound. I think most of the penalties this week were seem to be initial save, and then the rebound was the goal, which I know you love. That's my when I say the the feel of the, <laughs> the, the feel. Does it feel right? No, it feels wrong to me. Um, the, uh, I also love that the, the foul that sets that up is Mihajevic, uh, going to shoot and the defender puts his foot in between and blocks and Mihajevic kicks the defender's leg. But I guess, you know, if you don't get the ball and it, that's not a tackle, if you just stop me, if you just stop me from kicking, that's right. even though I'm, even though I'm, you know, the one instigating the motion, it's like, that's not, you're playing the man, not the ball at that point. Yeah, I and I'm so, Mason Toy. I apologize. He wrong sides the keeper and scores a beautiful left side goal. So uh, so no so slippery. On that one. There was a rebound. Um, in if we can, if you do, you have anything else for with this game? Just this final goal, <laughs> the the game winner from Kyoto of of just oh. the, the the calm and the finish again. How much do we love Romel Kyoto at Montreal? It just seems so to good. fit in the system absolutely beautifully. Um, it's such a clever ball in, um, and he lets the keeper commit, and then he lets the the defender just <laughs> recklessly slide in and chooses his moment and buries it. So it's a great another three points for Montreal, who now are fourth in the Eastern Conference, with certainly some teams nipping at their heels, but through... <laughs> through luck or judgment somehow they're there um and finding ways to win which is as we know in mls kind of the only thing that really matters that's the thing for them is is the ways to win and, and the ability to gut out these results yeah i was going to talk about um uh, minnesota uh, san jose let's talk about um, minnesota san jose which was the 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 intriguing uh, was a little intriguing to me. You had uh, uh, Espinosa takes it off of Debasi with the keeper committed, rolls it to Cade Cowell, who continues a, a great year that he's been having. Brent Coleman hits this um, amazing goal from tight left for for Minnesota after Franchipan tried to bicycle kick it um, and didn't. Like didn't hit the target, but was able to get it to the keeper. Can you have a bicycle kick assist? Has that ever happened before? Was that was that recorded as an assist? I mean, I'm sure, probably. Um, Benjamin also hit the post. He's been looking great there in uh, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chase Gasper is taken down. It's initially not called, but Var gets it, and then this is the penalty I was thinking of in terms of. The fairness angle, where JP Marchinkowski saves the penalty from Avila, but immediately smashes in the rebound. Yeah, just I mean, I've had it explained to me on Twitter. It's a direct. It's essentially a direct free kick. Right. You would keep playing off of a free kick. It just, it just robs the, robs the keeper. In my, in in my, you you make everything so hard for the keeper, and then you say. Oh, and they get and they if it bounces forward, they get infinite shots. Yeah, so you not only have to save it, but you actually have to save it and hang on to it or knock it out. But anything short of that, 
the player can then attack. I get, I get it. I see your point. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I think it, it does definitely make it <laughs> much harder for the goalkeeper. Um, but here we are. You know, I got bigger fish. I to hadn't, try. I hadn't yet heard of the 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 San Jose sub who hits this uh, this equalizing goal, uh, Kikanovic. Neither that was a I. nice little, yeah, nice little strike from him. Absolutely, and. You know, speaking of finding ways to do things, you know, I, th- I think San Jose has been marginally better this season <laughs> at, <laughs> at grinding out some results. And it's, you know, it's a key point in a hostile place. Minnesota obviously has defensively struggled and offensively, but I, I think overall it's it's good for San Jose. And, you know, they're sitting in 11th with 11 points. They're They're not doing super great and certainly have still been coughing up goals, but you know at least they're keeping themselves somewhat in the fight with grinding out some road points so the last time you the last time we talked <laughs> about the Vancouver Whitecaps mm-hmm. uh it had been a there had been a feeling of some well let's not necessarily well let's say optimism they got the they got the points and they got the points in um Seattle and and that had been a, a a pretty good feeling, and and we had been talking. <laughs> well, they about, got a point in Seattle. <laughs> well, they got well, that's right. That's a good point. They got. Or, well, I was gonna say they got the. I I some I in some ways, uh, bolt this and the Dallas. In retrospect, now mm. I bolt this and the Dallas match together. We had asked, you know, they've they've got to be able to do something with Dallas, a, a team that's also low in the conference as they are. Um. They've got to. They've got to be able to to come come up with something. And for a second, it seems like they had been able to do that. For a second, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's they they give up a, a fairly easy goal early on. Um, I mean, Pepe has a lot to do, but Pepe scores. Cavallini has a quick response, a great goal from him, which is like again the energy behind that of like, all right. Cava's firing on all cylinders. We know we play better when he's scoring. Um, then Andy Rose is able to get one just before the half, and it's like, okay, right. This is Whitecaps can do this. A striker scores, a defender scores. This is this is the way it should be. And the only two first half goals all season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so things are are finally starting to look okay. But you you still sense that Dallas was very much in the game, and then. There's eight minutes of added time. So at about the 90th minute, um, Mark DeSantos is thinking, okay, let's shore things up defensively to hang on to this. So decides to substitute in Veselinovic, who's a center back, and who's replacing a midfielder. The Whitecaps have gotten a little bit more... And and, uh, uh, have gotten a little bit more games, many in, in these later sets. Certainly were against... Against Seattle, just in terms of when you're trying to close it a, a, a match, yeah, um, you know, really sort of sitting, like you know, taking a long time to react to these, you know, to injuries or whatever, or or mm-hmm. or trying to look for for fouls. And to be honest, by this point, I'm Jokerified. I'm just saying, <laughs> I've become the Joker. Bring it on! If it gets <laughs> gets the result, but I kind of almost, you know. This came. This substitution came. Um, you know, thirty ten minutes after the last sub, and uh, 
in two minutes after Patrick Metcalf got a card for time wasting. So I kind of, you know, they take off Deber. I almost think that like like the trying to make that sub in extra time is almost like a little bit an extension of that maybe, like trying to just burn some minutes. Totally, which I'm 100% okay with. But first of all, Veselinovic has, like, as we've seen, like, if you give him a full game, I think he can play himself into it and play well. But he, he can be quite reactionary and his decision-making is not always great because he's a young center back. Like, that's fine. The thing is, to sub in a player and change your formation to now have three center backs, like, literally is the commentator's like, oh, that's weird. Isn't that kind of, like, confusing to change your... And then as the words are coming out of his mouth, a ball comes into the box. I don't even know which Dallas player fired it in. And Veselinovic turns to head it and heads it into the goal. And you're just like... I mean, again, Veselinovic... Veselinovic, oh my god, is a human being, and I don't want to throw a young player under the bus. It's a mistake. Chill soccer. Yeah, chill soccer. He knows what mistake he made. Let's leave it at that. But as a coach, I'm I'm just like, put in anyone. I don't care, but they go up top. <laughs> That's the sub you, you make. You and I both agree, I think, when, when, it's, when it's talking about what his role in it. You and I, I think, both are agreeing that that a utility center back just isn't done. No, you just are just aren't. Like I'm, I'm finding it hard to believe that that's a scenario they've worked out in training where, in the dying minutes, they sub in a third center back. You know, and and it, I also feel like it's just it's poor coaching because it sets Veselinovic up for failure. That's a ton of pressure to put on his shoulders in an unfamiliar situation. It's clear they didn't have a plan worked out, and the first touch of the ball he has is in the back of his own net. Like, that's... It It was just, for me, a moment of just really, really poor decision-making from Mark DeSantos, and and really set us up for, you know, there was quite a bit of animosity building, I feel, and just frustration spilling over. And so, heading into a home game in Utah against Real Salt Lake in their home stadium, but an away game for them, I mean... It ob- obviously it helped Real Salt Lake, but I mean the less said about this Vancouver performance, the better. But it was just complete capitulation, mistakes left, right, and center. And Real Salt Lake also played brilliantly. I mean, Demir Krylak played the the best that we've seen him this season. Um, it, it was a fantastic team performance from RSL, and I feel like it, like I don't want to insult them by just talking about how bad Vancouver was because I really do feel like objectively stepping away from my attachment to Vancouver. This was a great game from RSL. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, some people were a little bit questioning the, the penalty, but I, I think it's a fine one to call. A little soft, but probably still a PK, and they just run away with it. And There's just never anything from Vancouver. And what was really interesting to me is watching some of the post game conference with mark DeSantos and just very not himself like cutting journalists off from ask finishing asking their questions and just a total lack of answers and i've talked about this before but the number of times we see the brothers DeSantos sat on the bench kind of scratching their heads looking at their notes as their team concedes two goals in quick succession i'm just like what's <laughs> what's the plan here guys like 
We're now what? It's uh, it's a stoppage time. At least one stoppage time goal in each. Oh no! I guess no. There were, I guess the Seattle was wasn't stoppage, but it was like it's what uh, RSL Dallas, um, LA RSL twice. <laughs> yeah. Um. And the players that they want to bring in are not going to fix this because the the biggest problem this year has been defensive again and. I just don't know how many teams need to learn this the hard way. That if you if you don't have a core of MLS experience in your team that's tri- like helping bring all your young upstarts up, it doesn't work. Like you can have all the best young talent and have a great academy system, but they need players of a higher caliber to help lift them up. And and that's not just a in terms of their ability to play because obviously Alessandra can is a fantastic talent. But in terms of on-field leadership and mentorship of the other players, like everybody seems lost and just looking at each other like, well, I thought you were dictating play. Like, <laughs> Who's in charge on the field? Who's getting the team organized? Who's getting the team to go forward? And it's just, it's kind of crickets across the pitch. Yeah. This was, the, the challenge here was that you had... Um... Lucas Cavallini is and Maxime Cropo are off to the Gold Cup, and uh, and Brian White got the start here. We'd seen him before, um, and Thomas Hassall returned to the team. Um, the uh, the now twenty two year old. I could have swore he was only seventeen a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I thought too. But you know, twenty twenty did that to a lot of us. You know, and you know, Hassal, I think, made an early mistake, but I think he more than made up for it in this game. I thought he played great and, you know, made some amazing saves as well. And again, it, it heaps all this unnecessary pressure on young players. I mean, I know in, in Hassal's case, there's nothing that anyone can do about it because Kripo is away, but. Well, you just... can plan for it. You, you, you've said, you know, that you are. You've said that you were. That. that they've they've obviously set this up that he's going to get this time because you could make a you could make a a, a guess that he's that Kripo is going either as the the number 1 or the number 2 so mm-hmm. so last year they brought in uh they brought in Bo- or they um they brought in a keeper to to cover that and and the while well, Hassal was injured and they had yeah. the option to like are we going to rely are we he won his his place. Are we going to rely on him this year? And, and they did, but you could. I think that I don't know if they they in so many words said we're going to test this kid on the first kick. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a great play and a great you know. It, it's certainly not far from the only MLS team this week to to just sort of test their opponents in that first minute to see if they have got out of bed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was, I do think I agree with you that it was rough on Hassal Cause I thought he made a number, a number of other great stops and he got kicked in the head twice. Yeah. In the same move for a player that had a, a, a scary concussion issue last season. I hated to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 rough when you see goalkeepers getting knocked about like that, especially when they've had, as you say, the the previous injury. But 
Again, you know, credit to Real Salt Lake for making something happen out of it. <laughs> the most, like, forced positivity. Yeah, you know, Real Salt Lake, good for them. I hope they have a nice life. Um, but they've steadily climbed up climbed up the table with some important results. Um, only the four wins, but they are now sitting in sixth, just uh, just above Minnesota in that in that final playoff spot. So, you know, I feel like RSL has also got some good momentum behind them, um, and and certainly if they can squeeze out some more good results, I think that they can keep themselves above that playoff line. For Vancouver, I mean, you look at every team above us. I think, yeah. We could maybe beat San Jose on a on a bad night, and that's about it. Looking at the other teams above us, they're all objectively just better. Not just playing better, but better depth, um, you know, better precision, better precision, and just better planning. It's the it's such an odd situation, and I think there's been one of the the paradoxes in the last two seasons that Vancouver is not bottom; it's not second bottom. And the two teams below them in the overall, you're right, that or they're last in, in the West. The two teams below them in the overall table are Miami and Toronto. Two teams that are on paper much better, but have been in some real sort of like negative, you know, emotional space. And yeah, and I, can, I think you could say like Miami and Toronto's bottom feeding of the east is an anomalous event right like mm. it's certainly given other factors i mean miami has fewer excuses but like given other factors you could certainly see them doing much better and are also probably unlikely to stay there whereas with vancouver you know we keep having these moments and i think this is where dos santos's reign has kind of continued on and on and on is that we have a string of bad results then we get a point or we win a game and everyone's like, all right, here it is. And then maybe we'll draw and then we'll lose and then we'll win. And then we'll lose, 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 win. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like it's not been horrendous enough that anybody wants to make the call. But for me, these two games back to back really just I go, whatever the Mark Dos Santos project was, whatever it was he was trying to achieve, credit to him for trying to do that. It has not worked. No. And. I don't think just bringing in a couple of other players is going to solve the overall issue. And I don't know if it's like trying to grasp sand and the immense pressure is getting to everyone. Because maybe they just need to pull a Toronto and just be like, okay, let's just go and play it and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> maybe well, no. that's what they need. Like, like, hmm. like when, you, when you talk about like the have fun element, it's just like, there is the... The aspect of, um, it's, it's, it's the biggest issue is that they don't know what to do from one phase to the next phase, you know, like, yeah. De, like Deber can make this amazing run up forward and find Brian White, but White has played only a handful of minutes and doesn't know whether or not to go, uh, left, right or forward. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know whether to take boat. He doesn't know what to do. Attack, and defend, magic. There's no, there, he has no idea what uh, commands are available to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's again where I think it's, I mean, obviously Brian White has some MLS experience, but, you know, looking at some of the free agent players at, prior to the beginning of the season and thinking that the players that we passed over to, that we could have brought in experienced MLS defenders or um, midfielders, sorry. I like White for, too, by the way. I think that he fits into that category of, 
not defender, obviously, but experienced MLS player. Yeah, absolutely. But you need you also need older players of a little bit more seasoned quality to to help them get to the next level. Uh, just putting them in the position and letting them play minutes is is not necessarily going to progress a player. I know I know it seems that simple, but it's not. <laughs> um, and that's where one I think weird trick. The success of a team like Dallas, although yes, have had their own struggles, is that they do have a bit more core MLS experience around those academy players. So you see them actually advance a little bit more. But just chucking Metcalf in, you know, into 20 or 30 minutes of a game where you're already losing is like, well, what's he going to (laughs) learn? And who's he going to learn it from? Because he just replaced the center mid that like could actually play. I'm not saying that Metcalf can't play, but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's he's hard to replacing know. Replacing a player who's just coming off because of exhaustion, but he kind of needed that player to like show him what to do. Certainly, everything that a lot of people focus on this idea of like a number ten, and and, and if somebody like Ryan Gold arrives, that will have an impact. But I think you're right about like like whatever is being whatever the plan was for Dos Santos, it it. It's hard to see how what is what big change will be made, you know. Like I think that I think that this team's both in terms of the amount of players and just how they play are slightly better on attack. I feel that last year there felt like a complete lack of that they had drilled heavily on defense and they to the point where they just Well, I think that, you know, two years ago well, they, they would just bunker for eighty minutes. They wiped the team out. And and yeah. there was this idea that we were going to stock the team up with, you know, and allow this new genius manager to, to start from scratch. And I do think that they started from scratch. They started yeah. from zero stats in anything, and they learned how to defend from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they got to the point of, okay, well, how do we – now that we've defended, how do we attack? What do we do – What's the thing that comes after that? Um, yeah. And, and, and then, can you do both in the same stretch of 90 minutes? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, and it's tough to know. I mean, the thing that, that, that we talked about a little bit last week is that it, it's tough to know what the what's important. Because I think that, you know, everybody has all these theories that they're banding around about why why the the team has done so poorly or why there doesn't seem to be necessarily the amount of support. I think that, that the dumping of players around the beginning of the Dos Santos era has really like served to disconnect some people from the team and, and totally. it's created people, put people into this. I don't know who these players are. I don't feel anything when I see them play the pandemic, I think hasn't helped because you no. can't, you can't see them. So you have to make time on TV and, and MLS has had historically had troubles translating on TV. And, and it's something we haven't talked about as much because the games have still been good. And, and in some cases they've gone on to players, but I think it really hasn't helped the Whitecaps. Um, no, but I, it, it, I also think that the, um, the firing of that CEO did not help. In terms of people oh, thinking like, like, yeah. like, like, where are we? Where are we moving in a positive direction? Um, since then, it really has felt like there isn't a lot of direction of any kind. You know, we hear from 
Axel about who who is going to be bought, but it really doesn't feel that there's a clear statement of well, this year we expect to be in the playoffs, or this year, you know what I mean? Like they're like yeah, year in year out, it kind of just feels like we're just going in and playing some games and seeing what happens, and it wasn't like that before Dos Santos, like like. Um, Carl Robinson was fired for a lack of results. Like yeah. it's not as though, you know, people are people are are morosely. Well, people start pointing out, Ren Robbo had better stats than Mark DeSantos. Yeah, I mean, like not but... consistently, but certainly this season, like I mean, just got better results. Now that do- that doesn't mean that we should have kept him or we should get him back. Um, it it just. I think everybody is asking the same question. Like, nobody hates Mark DeSantos. Nobody thinks he's a terrible... Well, lots of people think he's a terrible coach. But, like, we all wanted it to work. But it's not working. And at what point... It, you have Somebody has to be accountable. But I think that's, to, for me, the read I get from a lot of people. And the frustration is just that, as you say, like, there's no direction. There's no accountability. There's no... There's nothing to rally around. So why would we rally around anything? Yeah, there's no in, in I all the teams and in, in you've obviously from the top of the the broadcast talking about this uh, this the Montreal thing. Uh, Canadian teams um, are hoping to get back ab- across the border soon. There is yeah. hope that there may be um, movement on that before the end of the month. Um, the uh, Corey Rupkin from uh, from Houston says that the Dynamos, uh, they're they may be expecting to play uh, Houston, Vancouver, in Vancouver on the twentieth. Oh, um, which would be which would be quite the thing. And I honestly just think that that is, you know, I think of the last, I think of the last game of the 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 English Premier League season of Tottenham that that year with Mourinho where where they had one game in front of fans and they just got booed out of the building at the final whistle. It's like, yeah. So it's like, do you, are you, maybe just stay in Utah. <laughs> the what, but, but people have to, as I told you last week, people have to go for that. Like in, in and the question right. is what kind of, what kind of rallying responses is, is, is going to be found at that point? What, in, what we don't know what the owner wants. And we yeah. don't have a great idea of what the. I guess if I was to try to psychoanalyze what I know about the management, and I know that mm-hmm. that that Bob Lenarduzzi is not there, but I think that those are all still his people. Yeah, that that were there for when he was there, and if there's one thing about his sort of iteration of the Whitecaps that I can think of from from his statements and from reading his book and whatever is survival both for the club and for themselves they just want to stick around they want to make their money they want to keep their jobs and yeah. and yeah. they have been in this position where they they feel that their you know their their decisions so far have been justified and 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 they've also made no bones about being a selling team which is fine 
It's just that they don't seem to aspire to be anything other than that. I mean, yes, they've brought in some big players and spent a, a an actual like quite a lot of money on some of those players. But it still feels like their main emphasis, rather than being competitive, is to get young players minutes, which, again, is fine. But then people have pointed out, like, then they stopped doing even that. And now we just have these sort of, like, mid-level players hodgepodged in. And then we throw in Metcalf or Bear for 10 minutes and are like, okay, well, that wasn't that great. But it's like, you know, if you're going to do that, then just play the young players and at least make it exciting <laughs> for a whole game. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess in some ways they tried to do that with RSL and look how that panned out. So, Well, you look at yeah. you look at how Imbom did when he left. Yeah. And, and people... And I'm not trying to be over morose and we don't, I'm not, you know, we may talk. I, there were times that I thought that I thought I saw people talking about the, the hashtag, the white caps hashtag today that I thought that maybe it had already happened. It may be, the, I think that you, there's a, there's a 10 day break. So whether or not it happens before they get to Vancouver or not, it's unsure. Um, yeah. But I think that like, you know, people complain about Luke Cavallini, who I still think is a great player. If you see him, when I watch him from Canada, I, have, I mean, obviously the the opposition in some of those games that you see him from Canada in, um, in those early rounds of World Cup qualifying are not like the greatest games. But yeah. he's not a bad player. He doesn't no. not know how to attack. He doesn't like like he. He like w- when people he are evaluating goal before he left. Like when people are evaluating him as a bust, it's like I can't look at him as a bust. I can't look at him as being the reason why things are busted. If you look at a player like Imbon that had a success, you know, think about what Cavallini could do in another system. I'm sure he's thinking about it every time the transfer window opens. Yeah, no, and, undoubtedly, and and like. I don't know who you bring in at this point, as you brought up in the last episode, like the, the, the interim coaching positions are, are strange. Do you know who is available? Who's available? <laughs> uh, Phoenix, former Phoenix rising manager, Martin Rennie quit. Cause he was mad about the turf. Oh, <laughs> you know, you can't go back is my motto. You can't go back. Even as an interim, do you think that if you if you brought in somebody as an interim? No, I already put my bets down on Ricardo Clark. Ricardo Clark. Ricardo Clark will be good. Um, the I looked uh, just some names. Some of these are old MLS names, and some of them. So like, I'm not serious when I say that uh, Frank Yallop is in USL right now. I'm not seriously saying that we should bring in Frank Yallop, but I'm just saying. Well, you know, I looked I looked up all of like the names in the MLS coachiverse. To see, like you know, who is who's I open? Heard that Chris Armis is available. Oh God! <laughs> anyway, I was gonna say. Anyway. I was gonna say uh, Wilmer Cabrera is still in USL. He had a good year as an intern in Montreal. Um, if yeah, he, he, could... a, he didn't quite get the the full results there, but yeah, I'd be okay with Cabrera. Uh, former Canada manager Octavio Zambrano is also uh, out of role right now. So if you wanted. The the former '90s uh, LA Galaxy. See, but you're joking. Coach. But like that—that that is probably the Vancouver Whitecaps <laughs> shortlist as well. So, 
Be careful what you wish for and what you commit to. If take it's there, oh sir. no! If, if I if I've just spoken, if I've spoken something, if they unveil Martin Com- Rennie commentator's tomorrow, commentator's curse. If they unveil Martin Rennie tomorrow, I sincerely apologize. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other news? I think that's all the the big stuff from MLS. Um, um I've got Angel City uh, FC. Look like they're uh, they're zooming in on a assistant coach, an NWSL assistant coach, Sean, uh, Sean Nahas, um, to which I've seen fans online say, um, resurrect the comedy bit, you know, for $1, name a woman. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to just ple- the, a, a team that has the, the, the mission statement that they have, you know, please like consider putting a woman in that position. And, and when it's like, uh, an ownership group that's female led and stuff like that. Just don't, don't do the, don't do the same thing everybody else is doing. You know, try and yeah. try to figure that out. Um, the uh, Canadian Premier League kickoff is continuing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, uh, a tough situation as uh, in a Halifax game that had a lot of rain delays. Um, where Stephen Hart had to leave the game and in uh, his return to Halifax for for some apparently minor medical procedures, and he's uh, hopefully going to be recovering in two weeks. So uh, best wishes to Stephen Hart. Yeah, and all those yeah, folks over cons- there. Concerning to hear about. Um, I think. Do I have? Uh, was there any other? I'm trying to think if there was any other. Uh, there's there's something that's tickling the back of my brain. Oh yeah, Montreal dropped out of the the FIFA World Cup. Yeah, which I mean, thank God. Like, just I mean, just I, I'm glad that cities can be like, we cannot justify this to the taxpayer. There's no money to support this. Like, no, <laughs> we're not yeah. going to do this just for the sake of doing it. Yes, it would be awesome, and we're not in the business of doing something just because it's awesome. The, the 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 new sort of central right uh coalition avenir quebec government in quebec um basically said in january we're not going to fund it um we knew we know that bc had some serious problems with it and dropped out uh the only two teams remaining are the only two cities remaining are toronto and edmonton and i said this online but i definitely just like you and i are on the same page that it's there are tremendous benefits that can be had. I'm not going to say that I don't think that sports is a benefit, but but corporate welfare in sports for many teams is overblown. And I can't think of an organization that needs it less than FIFA yeah. and the World Cup, which makes more money than God. Yeah, like, and then to say, yes, you can host, but no, we won't pay for anything. Yeah. Like, all right, well... <laughs> If the if the World Cup can't make it work, is good, but it ain't that good. If the World Cup can't if if the Women's World Cup can make it work in all these cities, if you know if if they somehow can't make the business case work for a World Cup in Montreal or in Vancouver, it doesn't deserve them. Yeah, agreed. Until next week, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. 
You can find this podcast at thatsomls.com and on Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? Oh, the other thing I want to talk about was Hassani Dotson um, proposing to his girlfriend on the pitch. Oh, right. Yeah. Was I was like, yeah, there was something else that happened, and it, I don't think it was bad. <laughs> but that <laughs> That's was how nice. cataloged. A not bad thing happened. Congratulations to the happy couple. You can Congratulations find, to the happy couple. You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Until next time. If you're losing 7-1, <laughs> Took don't, the words out of my mouth. <laughs> don't get sent off. Or do. Like, if you just want to go home, I understand it. <laughs> I would. <laughs>